0: This morning is Dr. Theraya Kanafani, clinical psychologist, at the Human Relations Institute and Clinics here to take your questions on depression, anxiety and relationship issues. She works closely with teenagers suffering from depression as well as addictions, uh, eating disorders Uh, 4001 is that text number, you know it by now and if you've got a question for Dr. Thry or any concerns you want to share this morning then that's the text number or you can call us on 423 1010 and listening there to the late Whitney Houston and in light of her daughter is passing this week bobby christina we take a look at how you think parents influence the child's life so it could be something that's happened with you in your family with your parents but what have you genetically inherited from them and what have you learned This week, Bobby Christina, the daughter of singers the late Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown, passed away after being in an induced coma for six months after being found, similar to her mother, face down in a bathtub. The daughter of two parents who struggled with drug addiction, she was saddled with a particularly unstable upbringing from the beginning, along with what some experts are saying, a genetic legacy that placed her at risk. So exploring this morning how parents impact the future of their children and also how to protect those children and break the negative patterns and find the right support. Give them the right support.
1: Good morning to you, Dr. Thiraya. Good morning, Suzanne. It's a lot to talk about this morning. Yes, it is. And honestly, I get goosebumps when I hear Whitney Houston's songs. She's just such an amazing artist and such an amazing singer.
0: Yeah, incredible. And I think for many, just shocking as one started to see In the public eye, obviously there's a lot of been going on in her private life, her personal life, that maybe the world didn't realize, but there she is in the public eye. And then over the years, it started to come to light, her battles, not only with her husband, uh, but also with uh, substance abuse, uh, addiction. And I don't know if you remember seeing early on when, you know, Bobby Christine, her daughter was little, she would bring her out on stage and, Always talk about how much she loved her daughter, mm-hmm. but clearly a lot of dysfunction going on in that family. Take away the fame, take away what, how we perceive them. Ultimately, as a family, parents of a child,
1: there was a lot going on there. Right. You know, parents of any child, you know, exactly what you're saying, like regardless of the fame and the, and the fortune and everything, but parents are a sense of security. They're a sense of stability and understanding of what the world is supposed to be like. And so when that uh, is filled with turmoil and when it's filled with conflict what usually happens is that a child no longer understands w- the the difference between what's what's um, a typical family and what's not and they consider their situation to be very typical until they grow up and they find out otherwise and then it you know it shakes their foundation they get confused and they don't understand and so it's very difficult to grow up in, in that kind of a, of a household where things are you know they're confusing and not just confusing but they're they're filled with conflict conflict and filled with with uh, disputes and disagreements and of course that all comes from issues of uh, addiction and substance abuse. Mm.
0: Uh, We're going to look at that uh, being the child of an addict and how to manage that and to survive it really. Uh, There's some terrible stories that we found this morning but also stories of hope and resilience and recovery with the right care the right support to guide that young person and when we say being a child of a parent that's of any age mm-hmm. so you could be in your 20s 30s 40s 50s and still be feeling the effects of your parents behavior and choices so if that's something that you're experiencing or have experienced share your story with us this morning on 4001 or indeed if you're battling with maybe some behaviors and we're looking for some advice from dr Thoraya, then do connect with us this morning Talking about addiction, but also it could be, you know, drinking alcohol. It may not be that you're addicted, but it could be how one behaves around alcohol, how that affects uh, people, affects the family, affects the young person in the household. Uh, Smoking, there's something, you know, how that, you know, is it the case that, and you must talk about this a lot in practice, that if you are brought up in a house where your parents are smokers, does that mean, what are the
1: chances that you will become a smoker too? Well, you know, there are a lot of different factors that we have to consider when we talk about um, addiction or becoming addicted to anything. It could be illegal substances, it could be alcohol, it could be smoking, it could be anything. We can't just look at the fact that the parents are there, right? Because there are a lot of kids that grow up with parents who smoke cigarettes and that they never touch a cigarette because they're repulsed by it. So it's not a direct link, but we have to consider that genetics do play a part. And what we find is that parents um, or older family members Members who abuse alcohol or drugs or cigarettes um, can actually increase young people's risks for developing their own substance problems but that's not the only factor we also have to consider uh, gender of the person we also have to consider mental health issues we have to consider the peer and and school associations as well as family attachment so if if children are not very attached to their parents or they they they're they're really not around usually the likelihood of them repeating that behavior is lower than if their attachment is quite close So we'll explore that more with you this morning and looking
0: at here statistics coming out of the United States. Uh, Out there, there are 28 million children of alcoholics in the US and 11 million of them are minors who are still being raised by an addicted parent. So we're going to be taking a look at how that life might be through those doors, growing up in a household where there are addictions. And uh, a very sad story to share with you in a little while about a little boy that's Mm -hmm. mother was addicted to heroin. And this was in Scotland. Um, and wasn't a good outcome for that little boy. Um, the, these numbers are just for alcohol, so there are likely untold millions living with parents addicted to a wide variety of illegal drugs and prescription medications as well. Let's have a listen to the CNN report uh, talking about Bobby Christina, passed away this week uh, just at the age of 22 years of age. Her mother, Whitney Houston, died three years ago. <sighs> you know, we don 't know it's not it hasn't been reported exactly what has happened but with Bobby Christina it was uh, six months ago she was found face down in the bathtub she was put into an induced coma she passed away this week let 's have a listen to the report from CNN
2: as the adorable daughter of pop icon Whitney Houston Bobby Christina Brown was thrust into the spotlight at a tender age hey.
1: If I got my baby.
2: Born in Livingston, New Jersey in 1993 She was the only child of Houston and R&B singer Bobby Brown At just 12 years old, her family's drama was turned into reality TV fodder on being Bobby Brown I'm watching you young lady then, in 2012, tragedy. Whitney died suddenly. Her mother's shocking death sending Bobby to Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. I'm going to make it now. Um, it's going to be good. As Bobby tried to recover from the loss, cameras went along for Lifetime's The Houstons on our own. Did you see how happy you are. I really was. We got to find this I girl was, again. That girl's just been there a lot. I miss her so much. Estranged from her father for nearly two and a half years after Whitney's death, she shared this photo of them reuniting in June of 2014. Her parents struggled with addiction, and Bobby, too, faced allegations of drug use. I wanted to do the right thing. Mm And all I'm trying to do is guide her mm-hmm. to the right place in her life. But Bobby tried to move forward, explaining on Oprah's Next Chapter how she was coping with her mother's death. I can hear her voice, you know, in in, in spirit talking to me and telling me, you know, keep moving, baby. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I'm right here. I got mm-hmm. you. As Bobby Christina dealt with the loss of her mother, she sparked a romance with Nick Gordon. The relationship raised eyebrows. Days before she was found unresponsive in a bathtub at the home she shared with Gordon, she posted these photos on Instagram and tweeted, Miss you mommy so much, loving you more every second. Now more than three years after her mother's death, the 22-year-old's life also cut short by pain and tragedy.
0: CNN report there on Bobby Christina uh, who uh, passed away just a few days ago. Dr. Thrai Canafani joins me on the couch. She's a clinical psychologist at the Human Relations Institute and Clinics, here to take your questions on 4001. She can help people with depression, anxiety, uh, relationship issues and she works a lot with young people when it comes to behaviours, addictions uh, mood disorders, that kind of thing. And we've been taking a look this morning at the case of Bobby Christina who passed away earlier this week and really looking how parents can impact their children's lives, exploring how parents do that and also how to get the right support for young people who may be living in a dysfunctional household and needing extra support, external support, possibly in some cases. Now, Bobby Christina, she really represents many children who suffer from their parents' addictions and uh, looking and hearing there from the CNN report and the report that you can read for yourself, it's, it's, it's no secret that uh, Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown had battled drugs, struggled with addiction over many, many years. And even to the point where it's been discussed and it's very much out there in the public arena that Bobby Christina witnessed drug taking in the House.
1: Right. And, you know, when it comes to... Um drug you know children of of addicts in the house we have to also consider that it's not just that they're that they witness their parents either taking drugs or on drugs we have to also consider the fact that you know um drugs make parents act or any person act in very Aggressive ways or, or negative ways and those negative ways are seen by the child. And so the child witnesses all of these different types of, of, of behaviors that make them feel very insecure and very unsafe. And so when we, when we talk about, yes, we're talking about Bobby Christina, but. Take away the fame, take away the fortune. If that had been any other household, we're talking about a child who witnesses, um, a parent or both parents, you know, sell things or, or, you know, even worse than that just, just to get their next fix. And so, so the child feels very insecure and grows up feeling insecure, grows up feeling that they'll never be. Um, they'll never get that feeling of of safety and comfort in any other situation, any other aspect of their life. Now,
0: some might think that this is an extreme example, you know, of addicts, parents that are addicted to uh, substances, illegal substances, but this could be alcohol. It could be that there are emotional issues within the family and there's a breakdown in the relationship between the parents. There are also things that can impact child's sense of safety and security.
1: Of course I mean when we're talking about addicts we're not just talking about drugs we're talking about alcohol because alcohol in and of itself because the society considers it to be something that's okay it's not as taboo as illegal substances so when we talk about alcohol people usually think oh it's not that big of a deal and so we start to make excuses we start to deny and we start to uh, say oh you know it's just a one-time thing but but children feel very insecure when they see their parents behaving in ways that is that is uncommon from what they understand to be the norm. And that usually starts to come to mind when they go to school and they start to hear about other people's parents and they start to hear about what their families are doing and, and versus what... Th- that like that child's family is doing and so they start to get that discourse between what they're experiencing and what should be experienced and that creates a lot of discomfort and a lot of insecurity and confusion for that child there are the things that a child may learn by just
0: being uh, you know seeing observing experiencing situations behaviors so there's a learnt behavior a child might develop there's also in some cases a genetic makeup that could impact the child's behavior to possibly be to go on and take substances themselves. So what are the risks for children being raised
1: in a home with addiction present? Well, when we consider the fact that genetics, obviously, when we talk about alcoholism, or even with substance abuse, we have to consider that there's a genetic factor. that. Kids with uh, parents who suffer from alcoholism or from from any other substance abuse are almost 60% more likely than kids who are not to to turn to to alcohol or drugs themselves. So it doesn't mean that that is going to happen. Again, we have to highlight this, this is not a direct link, but it, it makes them more susceptible to that. So when we talk about children growing up in, in households where there is alcoholism, we have to also consider the idea of social learning theory. Which is, which is, you're learning just by observing. So you may not have that genetic tendency. If, if you n- not, let's say your parents are not the ones who are um, alcoholics, right? It's your grandparents that are alcoholics, or your, or your, or, or your, sorry, your aunts and uncles. So even though it's not a direct genetic bond, but it is still in the genes. It's still in the familial genes. So we still have to consider that you are more predisposed. So what happens? In that sense, is that we have to consider that it's not just genetics that you're looking at, but it's also the social learning. It's also what you're learning from the behaviors of either your parents, your uncles, your aunts, your grandparents. So that is a major factor that we have to consider. So when we say that there's no direct link, it's not a one-to-one. So genetics takes takes part. Um, social learning takes part. We also have to consider gender. Males are more likely than women to develop either alcoholism or substance abuse. And when you say you're saying
0: alcoholism or just that's what you're talking about. It's alcoholism. Yes. As opposed to, you know, excessive alcohol consumption.
1: Right. Because, you know, there's a difference between alcoholism and then, um, you know, binge drinking and once every six months or once every year. When we're talking about alcoholism. It is it is a that, you know, that that dependence, that withdrawal, all of the necessary items that, can, uh, that make the addiction necessary. And so when going back to what we were saying a little bit before, when we talk about these different factors, such as genetics, such as social learning, such as gender, we also have to consider mental health issues because we can't say that when it comes to addictions, that they're not comorbid, which means they they don't coincide with other types of mental health issues, such as depression, such as anxiety, such as obsessive-compulsive disorder. So all, or bipolarity, for instance, bipolarity is very much... Uh, comorbid with uh, with addictive personalities in, in the sense of uh, drug use or alcoholism. And why is that Dr. Thryer? Well because in the manic state of bipolarity we have to consider that they take high risk behaviours and so in that they either drink way too much or drink and drive or try substances and they have that impulsive nature where they don't necessarily think about the consequences of their actions so they tend to jump into things and then they jump into the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing and that's in their manic state. Now this is not true of all people who are bipolar let's make sure that people understand that that it's there are some cases where especially if they're if bipolar people are not medicated in their extreme manic state that that risk is much higher so mental health issues is also a very big factor when we can, when we discuss the ideas of of substance abuse and when we talk the, about the idea of alcoholism also we have to consider trauma now this is not and just just before we do right, just right. because that's an
0: all <laughs> just to slow it down a little bit and the road that leads you there in the first place. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing there is why you might be going to that substance, going to that thing that makes you feel good, make you feel better, because there's other things going in, on in your life that, you know, and some may just do it for pleasure and they can handle it and they can manage it. But what we're talking about here is, because often people think, why can't you just stop? Why don't you, mm-hmm. why are you doing that if you know that you're, you know, destroying your family or upsetting your daughter or son or you know why are you doing what you're doing why can't you stop doing what you're doing there's an awful lot of on that road that's happened to
1: get to that point where you're called an addict right of course and you know when people say something like that like why can't you just stop i mean it's it's a very sort of naive question to ask because the truth of the matter is if you just look at people who are who are in love with chocolate it becomes very difficult for them to stop chocolate and we're talking about something that's not even addictive right we're talking about chocolate but when you talk about drugs you have to consider that there's a brain chemistry that changes and that is what makes it more and more difficult. And that's what causes all these withdrawal symptoms. And some of these drugs have severe withdrawal symptoms. So what ends up happening is, is to avoid this the withdrawal, they tend to go back to the drug because they want they're they're scared of what may happen to them. So it's very it's a very naive question to say, oh, why can't you just start? It's not that simple. There's so many things that are involved. Also, you have to deal with what you were saying, Suzanne, is that road. What got you to start? And like you said, some people just start it recreationally and then become addicted. Whereas some people use it as a way to cope with whatever they went through. It could be trauma. It could be sexual abuse. It could be physical abuse. It could be um, all sorts of different types of things. It could be PTSD from, from war-ridden countries. So it could be anything. And so we have to consider what happened that led them there. And when we consider that and we work with that, as well as working with you know the addiction itself, that helps the person. So that question is sort of very... Um, It's sort of a very naive question. Sure, sure. And
0: even when, even if people intervene or even if one reaches out for help, it doesn't mean that, I mean, there's help and there's ways to manage this. But as we see in these cases that often people will change their mind. The addiction overtakes the rationale. They will lie. They will cheat. They will deny. They will do anything to not have to go through recovery to keep back on to getting that fix and getting what they think they need into their body.
1: Of course. And also to add to that, we have to consider that there are people who become addicts that are not children of people who are addicts so we can't just blame the parents automatically or even re- set responsibility onto the parents we have to also consider the person the person themselves so some people like you said don't want to change some people don't want to get better and e- and usually come that comes from not wanting to change their lifestyle because a lot of people when they have friends or peers that that are using or that are going out for a drink they find it very difficult to change that lifestyle because then it becomes i have to lose these friends because that's the truth that when When you want to stop or want to move away from that kind of addiction, you have to move away from that kind of lifestyle as well. We're looking
0: at how parents' behaviour can impact
1: children. And in
0: particular, to begin with, looking at what it's like for a child living in the house of addicts, where the parents or one parent might be addicted, whether it's to illegal substance, whether it's prescription medication, whether it's alcohol or even smoking. And one of our listeners here is saying, my father was a heavy smoker and uh, I'm one of his children and none of us smoke. So, you know, it can be that your child or children, Will go the other way in reaction to their behaviours of their parents, but not always the case. There can be a genetical, a genetic link, as Dr. Thurai has been talking about. And in the recent light of Bobby Christina passing away just a few days ago, this is the daughter of Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 no secret that her parents were addicts, and obviously whitney houston passed away three years ago Uh, looking here phd adi jaff doctor he's saying i think there's little doubt that bobby christina's childhood was a tumultuous difficult one an addiction expert that he is an executive director of alternatives behavioral health in beverly hills when people come from a household where there's excessive drug use where there might be trauma it can be difficult to grow up breaking those patterns is this something you've experienced or something you're going through now or somebody you know? Do you have concerns about a child and their family life? And that's a difficult one because you know, when do you step in? When do you intervene without being accused of interfering in something that's not your business? Uh, we'll have a listen now to some children who have had their own personal experiences growing up with parents that are alcoholics.
1: I was always afraid for those hours that I was at home
2: that my dad would be alone or be drinking too much. We felt like maybe he was drinking because we weren't being good kids. And the hardest part was the distance that it caused between us because he literally just disappeared out of my life and one day went from being my best friend to a complete stranger.
1: My dad, you know, he would sleep until noon every day. Um, he dabbled a job and was still able to make money, which is, you know, remarkably incredible. <laughs>
0: But um, he'd be drunk on phone calls, you know, like business phone calls. He
1: was so stubborn about not going to rehab, and I was like, why don't you want help? Like, this is the clear option. Why aren't you trying to take it? Yeah. Oddly enough, I mean, I've been able to connect
0: with him on a much more personal level because I understand that it is because of the terrible things that he went through that caused him to self-medicate himself. They go to alcohol and drugs and everything because they have nowhere else to go a very mature talking uh, young person there about their parent. And that is sometimes the case where the child, Dr. Thraya, almost becomes like the
1: parent in the family dynamic, caring for the parent. Of course. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of kids are like that in, in, in a household where there are parents that are addicts, where they have to start taking on the responsibility of taking care of the house, taking care of the parent. And some are way too young and they grow up way too fast and they don't understand how that shift from child to adult has to happen so quickly that eventually sometimes their coping strategies lead to the same mistakes that their parents made. So this is, it's such an important thing for people to understand that, that when you're, when any person is abusing a substance, it doesn't affect the person alone. It affects everybody around them, everybody that cares for them in such a a tremendous way. Mm and almost makes
0: me think what should they know what should they be protected from is it you know depending on the age of the child and obviously you've got the danger that if they experience too much that they may fall into the same behaviors like learnt pattern but similarly if they understand what's happening and why it's happening that might help them manage the situation better so if they understand why they're like in this case the father was that young person saying he was self-medicating because of what he had been through the trauma he had been through how much do the children need to know about
1: the parents background upbringing their upbringings their personal challenges that they've been through Well, you know, it sounds like this this person has already been through her own exploration of what happened. But unfortunately, a lot of the times when kids are put in that kind of a situation, the only explanation they have is from the parents themselves. And when the parents are the ones who are the addicts, they're not explaining it in the right way. So the father, in that kind of situation, until she got her own help, he's not saying to her, you know, daddy's dealing with these issues because... I mean I mean, Daddy's uh, dealing with drugs because of the issues he's been through. He's just saying things like, "Oh no, I'm okay, then the lies come out, and the excuses start to come out." So in that kind of a situation, you know, unless there's one parent who's completely sober and one parent who's who's able to explain these things to the children, it usually becomes very difficult for the child to truly understand, regardless of the age. But when there is one person who is able to explain that, we usually don't don't suggest that that happens before a teenage year, just so they can understand um, exactly what's going on, because at that level they have that cognitive ability to do so. But if you start very young, then you're really sort of setting the child up to feel more insecurity and more, um, you know, unsafe. So what we usually say is in the beginning, explain that the child, that the parent is going through a lot of issues, but you don't necessarily have to talk about the drugs themselves. You don't necessarily have to talk about how he's hurting uh, or how she's hurting herself, you know, depending on the parent. So it's important to talk about it, but not necessarily depending on the age, obviously you don't want to be too open about all the details. Right. To be brutal here, uh, and, you know, this isn't a pleasant
0: subject, and the thought of it is just abhorrent. But you know, and when you're looking at cases like you know, Bobby Christina, and you can see footage of her as a very young girl, you know, in her early teens, she's clearly high on something. Mm-hmm. For a young person to go to that substance, whatever it may be, and start taking it when they're seeing what's happening to the parents. How does that happen? Why does that happen? Why you would think the obvious thing would be to do the opposite to what the parents were doing. You can see that it's not healthy, but clearly that's not
1: what they're thinking. Of course, you know, because like I said before, we look to our parents for the way we should be. We look to our parents for answers to this confusing world we live in. We look to our parents to, to to tell us how we should cope and teach us the strategies that are necessary to look at life in a specific way. So when your parents are consistently looking at running away from their issues and going straight to drugs or, or dealing with their issues with drugs or alcohol – That's what you learn. You learn that you should never face the issues that you're going through. Instead, run away from them. And not necessarily you have to run away to drugs. It could be you become very angry and resentful and passive aggressive. So it depends what you run to. But you learn that coping strategy. You learn that coping mechanism. And for Bobby Christina, you know, unfortunately for her, she had both parents were addicted to drugs. And then they talked about it openly. And then it became and because it was public, Mm. it became something that she found out. About, you know, with, you know, from from with the rest of the world. And then on top of that, of course, there was domestic abuse in the house, there was divorce, there were so many other things, it was almost like she had so many factors against her at the time. And it and without the proper help, it becomes very difficult for that child to deal with all of those things by herself. It's ironic, really,
0: in that with what is perceived to be a family or individuals of money and of privilege, in theory, uh, because often when we're looking at addiction and where there are real dysfunction within families, people associate it with being on maybe a low economy. You know, they're not, uh, there are issues within the social makeup of the family, etc. So actually, it just shows you, regardless of how much wealth you might have, it doesn't make you... Um, uh, devoid it's also not susceptible to such things. But it also could go against you because who's going to step in and say what you're doing is wrong? Who's going to intervene and say, actually, I'm going to remove your daughter from this home because it is an unhealthy, unsafe and this is not a good environment for. So, you know, in effect, you know, accuse people of being abusers because some would say if addicts and in a household with a child doing what they're doing in front of a child, that is a form of child
1: abuse. Of course. And, you know, we have to consider that obviously not all parents that abuse drugs or alcohol are abuse do abuse their children. But we have to consider the general amount they do and not intentionally They're in- not all of them have the intent to hurt their children. But when they're fiending for that fix, when they want it and when they're starting to get irritated and withdrawal symptoms are kicking in that is when their irritability gets higher their frustration gets higher they start to yell they start to scream they start to throw things they might hurt the child so there are a lot of things that we need to consider or neglect. neglect Well, neglect is a big
0: yes. part of it you neglect know, is, is such a huge yeah, part of it are, you know four meals a day being put on the table is a child being cared for and their basic needs within a, a household and you know this can be on any level this doesn't have to be in a, a low income family which is a terrible thing to even assume mm-hmm. but that is what people at some people assume and it is about understanding what is your responsibility as a parent to
1: give the base supply the basic needs to your child right and you know th- when when we compare the addicts uh the lower socioeconomic status addicts versus a high socioeconomic status addicts, you're only talking about the difference in the type of drug. Because there are types of drugs that are much more expensive that a lower socioeconomic status individual cannot afford. But the addiction is the same, nothing changes. And the neglect that comes from there, no matter how much money you have, or how little money you have, the neglect is the emotional neglect. It's a psychological and physical neglect that a child feels from a parent who's not present because of some sort of either substance or alcoholic addiction.
0: So looking at the messages coming in, Dr. Thiraya, and one here saying, I'd like to know how I can help my elder brother uh, stop drinking. He's kind of an addict, I think. Um, Can you advise? And it's very challenging for us. We're a Muslim family, and it's really affecting all of us.
1: You know, it's very important that... uh, Thank you for for being so honest about, you know, your family, because it's important to understand that no matter what religion, race, what age you are, you know, you are susceptible to these kind of things. We're all susceptible to the same types of difficulties. And it's very important to understand that. Now, unfortunately, when it comes to making somebody stop any type of drug, it's very difficult, because they need to understand how much it's affecting them. So I would usually suggest that, if he's truly an addict, it's, it's important for the family to come together to discuss with him about how it's affecting him and them, not necessarily on the religious sense because it's important to remember that that just increases guilt. So what you want to do is you want to talk to them about how it's sort of like intervening having some sort of small intervention and discussing the fact that, you know, these issues are, if, if they are affecting him in his job and his life and maybe if he's married with his children um, or health-wise, also, it's very important to, to, to do that and how it affects the family. And in that sense, discuss that. What do they think the drinking is doing in their life? How do they think? Why, why, what is What purpose is the alcohol... Um, serving in their life what is it helping them and how is it hurting them and allowing them to sort of introspect about what they are doing and how it's affecting them I think that's
0: a really good way of putting it you know rather than it being a confrontation it's a gentle conversation it's a kind conversation although that's hard when you're feeling the way you're feeling Mm -hmm. and it's not about you immediately it's about asking you know why is it that you do that what is it about it what well, how does it make you feel and do you think about and you know it's uh, we're using this word addict and it is a significant word but it concerns me a little bit because i also think it's about anybody that feels they've got an issue with alcohol or a substance so it, it may not be a full-blown addict but anyone where there is an issue where maybe you think you're doing it too much or it's affecting your relationships or it's affecting your sleep or your work where you just might be going down that road that could take you too far and lead you into addiction so it, it and so that means for the family for the the spouse for the friend for the you know family the the children if they feel upset by that behavior that's significant as well so it's worth it's valued it should be valued what your opinion and how you feel should be uh, should be valued as well
1: of course and you, you know I think for for us that is a number one indicator that there is a problem with the person who's who's drinking or abusing a substance is that how is it affecting everybody else around them as well as themselves because usually especially if they're in a relationship whether it's a marriage whether it's a familial relationship What is it doing to the family? What is it doing to the partner? And is the partner sort of even, you know, threatening to leave? and it doesn 't necessarily have to be an addiction doesn 't have to get to that point, but it could be that you know a person is binge drinking and is just behaving in very inappropriate ways that it is affecting the relationship between him and, and the family or or her and the family or, or him and her and and the partner so it 's very important to 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 look at how that the, the use of whatever substance they 're taking how it's affecting everybody around them as well as themselves. Let's hear
0: more from children of parents who are addicted to alcohol and how it's been affecting them. I didn't realize it with my mother until she died. And even then everyone lied to me and told me she died of cancer. So I didn't know
2: until my brutally honest stepmother told me to wake up one day and realize that she had died from cirrhosis of the liver. It was a different time back then. I mean, they drank. Everybody drank. Um, They would
0: come home from work and first thing, make a highball. I mean, I was seven and I was making my parents' highballs. You can't try to take a bottle away from an alcoholic. Uh, One of our listeners has texted in, you know, feeling and sharing how... They've been affected, uh, saying it's an interesting subject this morning. I'm 53 years of age, and my late father, who passed away three years ago, lived till the age of 80 and never admitted being an alcoholic and having physically abused his wife and kids. To this day, I don't touch alcohol, and not for cultural or religious reasons. I'm just afraid I'll turn into someone resembling my father and his lies.
1: You know, when it comes to this kind of uh, behavior, we find that in research that people go either black or white. They either go towards the same types of behavior or they go completely to the other side and they avoid it completely because they're scared that they're going to end up resembling the person that they saw to be very um, abusive or very difficult in the family. And this is exactly what this person is saying, that he avoided the the idea completely just in case Mm. that would ever happen to him. 53 years
0: of age and you know, it stays with you. You know, we said earlier when we're talking about being the, you know, your parents, this is, you're a child throughout your life, you know, as you can be an adult and you have your parents and they can still make you feel certain ways. And it's, it's about finding your pathway that gives you happiness and, and a healthy, good life. And it can be very challenging, especially if you've been exposed to things from an early age that have caused you trauma. So it's very strong, actually. And I'm really glad. Thank you very much. This person, I won't say the name on air, but thank you very much for sharing your story this morning. And then for this, but I don't know if this person's married or not. But, you know, generally speaking, when one has acknowledged what's happened in their life, has acknowledged the challenges their parents have faced and maybe some of the abuses that have gone on in their family home to then continue in your life and to have good
1: healthy relationships with others that's got to be difficult right it is difficult I mean what what we learn from our parents is how we are going to be with our with our partners or not to be right so it's it's difficult so when we look at relationships I think we can really talk about that in depth but when we look at relationships we learn from our parents and so what you know, this person witnessed, may have witnessed, I'm not sure, it says having physically abused his wife and his kids. Now, if that had been um, witnessed at home, you know, the, the statistics say that the possibility of that happening for that child might be higher. But this person took all the necessary steps to make sure that never happens. And that is such a self-aware and self-conscious type of behavior and, and an amazing coping strategy. Mm. And it, so it does show that you can cope
0: and you can continue with your life. It doesn't mean because your parent has behaved a certain way that that's necessarily that you're going to go on and behave the same way. Right. Yeah, but it, can,
1: it takes work. Of course, of course, it takes a lot of work, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of looking into yourself and seeing how you were affected by it and dealing with that before getting into your own relationship. How do you deal then with the anger, the resentment, the frustration? I mean,
0: interesting to say, and in this case, just using this as an example, but, um, you know, we don't know all the specifics, but I do find it interesting that my late father who passed away three years ago, he lived to the age of 80, never admitted being an alcoholic and having physically abused his wife and kids. For a child to not ever get that, I'm sorry, from the parent, the acknowledgement from the parent of what they've done to them, because quite often that is the case. Mm -hmm. They will never get that resolve. They will never get that resolution. They won't get that apology or they won't get the awareness from the parent what they've put their child through.
1: Well, you know, what we usually find is that sometimes, although you... Are angry at the person in front of you, at your parent, you're also self-blaming. And so it's about letting go of that self-blame as well, because a lot of kids tend to internalize that behavior because they don't understand it. So they think that this is my fault. Like one of the children had said in the clip, he said, I believe that it was because of the things that I did. And that's something very big for a lot of children is that they blame themselves and they say, oh, you know, he was angry or he hit me because, or he hit my mother because she did this and she did that. So going back and really looking into the self blame, looking into not, you know, putting the responsibility on that person. And unfortunately, you're right, Suzanne, that you're not always going to get that, I'm sorry, you're not going to get that, you know, I know what I did to you, and I understand that I hurt you, you may never get that. And it's about understanding that that person, even though as much as as much as you look at that person, and you you feel anger, or resentment you have to also consider the fact that that person is sick in one way or another that person is sick and that you cannot fully blame them for what happened but yes they are responsible for it but you can't fully blame them so there is a lot of compassion and empathy for the person for the for that parent and then re- recognizing that you can take on the the qualities that they did not have and make up for that and sort of move past the wanting the 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 I'm sorry or the I regret what I did to you Keep
0: your stories and your questions coming in on 4001. And when we come back, we'll be looking at how to get the right support for people that are struggling with addiction or indeed... The, the the recovery of being involved or in inexper- exposed to a family environment that's very dysfunctional or traumatic, and we've posted up on our website. Check out the Dubai Today blog post, and we've posted it on the health section as well of the Dubai Today page at Dubaii1038.com. There is a list of all the meetings coming up around the UAE with AA, that's Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, it's here in the UAE. There are many meetings. There is support here in the Emirates if it's something that you are facing or indeed you're a family member or a friend associated with somebody that is struggling with alcohol you can get support there you don't
1: have to be alone so we'll be delving more into this subject when we come back stay with us